Good morning. I hope uh, everyone's doing well this morning. I um, just want to say, Eric, love, love the bumper video. Uh, really great. I keep thinking, though, it would be really cool to have, like, entrance music. Like, when I come up. Yeah. Yeah, like, can you see me coming out, like, backstage to that? Like, I'm like, people get excited about what's about to happen. And, right, <laughs> Jake, make a note of that for our, sir, our worship plan meeting this week. Uh, no, and, and I'll say, hey, could we, could we seriously thank uh, the choir and the band and the kids' choir this morning? Man. So good, so good, so thankful for that. I want to begin this morning by asking a question, uh, and, and the question is this. How many of you have ever made a fool of yourself because of something you said? Anybody? Okay, good. I, I like how hands go up like strong. Like, yep, and they own it. Uh, let me ask this question. How many of you are sitting next to someone who should have raised their hand? Is there anyone? Okay, yeah. Oh, those went up a little stronger. They were a little like, for real. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I, I just want to say, I mean, you know, I've, I've been here now over three years, and, and if you don't know me at, by this time, you know that I, I tend to be in that category of getting myself into trouble because of something I said. I, I, I sometimes picture like self-control like a big rope, right? Like a big, strong, you know, rope like that that's like, you know, people have. I think other people, their self-control looks like this. I feel sometimes mine is more like this, and it's just a, a struggle that I have to, uh, to be aware of. I remember one time I was... Uh, uh, helping Linda. She was, this was years ago. She was the director of a small preschool. And uh, so I would kind of go every once in a while and help her out. And uh, so the one day she assigned me to the math table. And I put math table in quotes because kids just sat there putting blocks in rows. And I thought, how is that math? But I just, I followed the directions and I went over and I, so I'm sitting with a, a group of, uh, of students, you know, four-year-olds and, and, uh, and just kind of helping them with their their math, right? And, uh, and, and so they're doing their thing, and, and all of a sudden, this girl, Nicole, is part of the table. Um, Nicole's four years old and, and, and bossy, and, and I don't know if you've ever met four-year-old bossy, but Nicole was that, and, and so she's telling everybody how to do math, including me. And uh, I thought, you know, well, I'm the adult here. Uh, this is my opportunity to speak truth into Nicole's life. And so I leaned over, and I said, you know, Nicole, um, bossy kids don't have lots of friends. And uh, she fired back. She goes, well, mommy says I have lots of friends. And my first thought was, well, your mommy lies to you. <laughs> and, and that little strand of self-control held me back. I didn't say that out loud, but I thought, well, let me, you know, kind of, well, Nicole, that's not really what I mean. I mean, like, if you continue to be bossy, the friends you do have won't want to be your friends. They're going to get tired of it. And and you're going to grow up without friends and grow old and be alone. And is that what you want for your life? And at that point, Linda just kind of nudged me aside. And, and as we walked over to the other side of the room, I was like, hey, did you see how I handled Nicole over there? And, and she said, yeah. And, 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 and she goes, I'm sorry, but were you arguing with a four-year-old? And, and I said, well, I'd hardly call that an argument. It was like we were having two different conversations. I mean, Nicole has the reasoning of a goldfish. So... And she looked at me and she just said, that's dumb. You're being dumb. And I thought, I'm being dumb? She's over there with blocks calling it math. And my next assignment was at the timeout table <laughs> to be with those kids. I'm pretty sure it was an assignment and not an actual punishment. But I, I just, I tell you that to, to share with you that I sometimes find myself in the position 
of saying things and getting myself in trouble. Um, so I try to, as much as I can, I've, I've memorized this verse, I, I want to live this verse out. There are moments where I, I find victory and other moments where I struggle. And it comes from Proverbs chapter 17, it says this, Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. And I keep thinking that should be my life verse. Um, but as I, as I work through that, I, I wonder if there's others of us who have found themselves in that same situation and, and, and by using words. And, and you think about it, God in his infinite wisdom gave us words um, to express what we're thinking. Because as much as some of us would like to believe, we can't read each other's minds. And if you've been married for longer than a week, one of you have said that um, to, the, to the other. But we have our words, and, and words matter. Today we're going to be talking about the problem with Palm Sunday was a group of people were using their words, and there was a little bit of misinformation there. We're going to be talking about how people were, the, the words that they were using, and, and, and also how it just kind of fits with Jesus, who is called the Word. In, in John chapter 1, says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so here we have a picture of the word that that God gave us not only words to express our thoughts, but gave us words that gave us his word so that we can get to know him. And then he sends Jesus the embodiment of the word. That's why we call scripture, we call the Bible the word. Um, Fun fact for you, when I was in Bible college, I, um, I decided to nickname my bed the word. Some of you don't understand yet, but I'll tell you why I did that. Um, because if I was running late for class or needed to cut a class, um, I would just simply tell my professor, I'm really sorry, but I need to spend a little extra time in the Word. And uh, like that plays really well at Bible college, not many other places. But I, I, I tell you that um, um, what, we're, what we want to spend some real time talking about today is the fact that Jesus is called the Word. And in my opinion, this is an amazing, awesome picture of God's love for us. That God, in the form of Jesus, who existed in eternity past, decides to take on flesh and bone and live a very real life and die a very real death. And by the way, I I think when we have conversations with people who don't identify as Christians, who, who don't believe that Jesus is who he said he was, that they often don't debate that Jesus lived a real life. Um, they often don't debate that he even died. Where, they, where it gets a little sticky is when you and I start talking about three days later, Jesus walked out of the tomb. And the fact that we celebrate Easter and we get excited about what next week's message is all about, that's where the road kind of divides. But this morning, as we spend time talking about today, the, today's Palm Sunday, today we celebrate an event that's recorded in all four Gospels. Today, we, we look at, at, at something that happened in the life of Jesus that prepares us for next week. And so there's a problem with Palm Sunday. And the problem is with the crowd. You see, when I read passages of Scripture, when I read the narratives and the stories, especially about Jesus 
It's easy for me to identify Jesus and, and, and see what he's doing and how he's interacting. It's, even, it's easy sometimes to see like the disciples and the tension and what they're going through and how they're processing what's going on. But I often like to even take a further step back and see the crowd. And this crowd is particularly interesting for me. That I, I would have to believe that in this large crowd of people who are celebrating Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, there had to be a handful who knew the Old Testament scriptures, who knew Zechariah 9.9. And maybe they couldn't quote it chapter and verse, but this phrase would be familiar to them when we read, Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble. Riding on a donkey. And, and today, maybe this is your first Palm Sunday. Maybe somebody invited you to church, and, and the whole idea of Palm Sunday is a little new to you. You're like, why are people waving palm branches? That's odd. Um, and and, and in, just to give you a little bit of history, at this time, that um, kings would often ride off to war on a horse. And it was like this declaration of war. Jesus chooses to ride on a donkey, symbol of peace. But we know that there were a large group of people in the crowd that day who expected and anticipated and started to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But the misunderstanding came was that they thought that he was coming to overthrow Rome. That this was the moment that they were waiting for, that finally Rome would be defeated and Jesus would be the king. And so to see him on a donkey confused them. Nevertheless, we find in, in the book of Matthew this phrase, this passage that we read this morning. Most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches off of the trees to spread them on the road. Jesus was at the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, Praise God, Son of David. Blessings to the, to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God. In the highest heaven. By the way, that's just right out of the Old Testament, right out of the book of Psalms. And then it says this the city, the entire city of Jerusalem, was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this? They asked. And so, as I spent time thinking about today, thinking about you, Asking God, what is it you want me to share? What, what, what is it this message should be about? That phrase was the phrase that kind of jumped out at me. The, the who is this? I don't know about you, but for me, I, I grew up in church. I, I remember Palm Sunday. Um, I had a different problem with Palm Sunday, and that was the way home I got yelled at a lot because I was hitting my siblings with the palm branches. Um, that was my problem. That's a personal thing. But the, the problem that I always had with Palm Sunday was how in the world did this mass group of people celebrate and rejoice and, and, and say the things that they said on Palm Sunday and just a few days later cry to have him crucified? And I think for me the answer is found in that question. Who is this? See, because if you look at Jesus and you have your expectations, it changes who Jesus is. And so I would say to, to me that if, if you and I were, were to kind of 
sit down and, and, and if we were to have coffee or a meal and you were to ask me a question like, you know, Todd, why do you believe in Jesus? Like, why have you decided to be a pastor? Why have you taken that path in your life? This would be some of just my answer. And so this morning, th- this message, may, you may be like, well, that was nice that we got to know you a little bit, but how does it help? So my, my only hope is that what's true for me and why I choose to follow Jesus that will, will give you hope as well. And I would say the first thing that I would say is that Jesus identifies with my weaknesses. Jesus identifies with my weaknesses. The theology of Jesus existing in eternity past and then coming to life and living that real life is something that theologians have studied for centuries. And the idea that, God, that Jesus is fully God 100% God and 100% man is where I go, okay, so that 100% man part, if he's fully man, then, then he struggled with some of the things I struggle with, right? That he, he kind of identifies with every pain that I feel, right? Every struggle that I have, every temptation, he identifies with those things. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, we read this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, I think a lot of people look at God, their idea of God as a distant being. Some people even think that he created this and kind of got it started and then just kind of walked away. That I think if you were to ask them in their life, God feels distant. And for me, when I read this, couldn't be further from the truth. That God is right here. He's present. And he knows what we're going through. And then the best part is, he cares. Right? Like, I hear people all the time talk about how when they look up at the stars, how, how insignificant they feel. And for me, it's, it's more about, like, when I start thinking about how many people are alive on this planet right now. And that God knows everyone and knows intimate details about everyone. And not only does he know the details, but he knows what they're going through. And that he cares. Like, he cares about every person in this room. Like, I just think even that statement, like, just the people in this room is like, that's impressive. But God, every person on this planet, God knows and cares for. Maybe put it this way. How many of you, how many of you have a phone? Raise your hand if you have a phone. I don't even care if it's a flip phone. There's no judgment today. This is not a trap. All right. I don't care if it's an uh, iPhone or an Android. I don't, but you have a phone, right? Now, how many people love their phone? Some of you are liars. That's okay. That's okay. That's, again, judgment-free, right? We're judgment-free. So, but he, he, I, I just want to say, this. I, I have a phone. It's right, it's right there. I'm actually a little anxious that it's that far away from me right now. I, I love my phone. Um, I have it all the time. I'm the person that's weird. Like, I, I'm sitting in the bathroom. I'm at my phone, right? Like, I just, I'm sorry. I confess all this to you this morning. But when I say that I love my phone, I, I, I believe in my whole heart that never one time the person who made that phone has thought, you know, probably in China somewhere going, and I wonder how Todd's doing today. Right? Like, I, I just don't feel that that's ever happened. God gave us all of this and is involved and is present, and cares about what you're doing. That's important to me. 
So I would say, yeah, one of the reasons I follow Jesus is because he identifies with my weaknesses. Um, another thing I would, I, would, uh, I would look at and I would say, not only does he identify with him, but I can identify with him and say, yeah, you know what? I, look at, I read the story of Jesus and I go, man, there were times when Jesus was lonely. And I, I get that. I, I, so I, I'm going, when I'm lonely, he understands. There were times where he lost a friend. And he was broken and he wept. And, and I go, I've, I've experienced heartache. I look at the events of this week particular. And on that last night when every one of his friends abandoned him. And another friend rejected him. And I go, I've felt that pain. And Jesus gets me. And so that would be a big piece of why I choose to follow Jesus. The second thing I, w- I would say is that he's not afraid of my doubts. Jesus isn't afraid of my doubts. And again, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Everyone in this room has doubts about some things. I mean, we all have small doubts and big doubts. Some of the small doubts, like, like I doubt the Eagles are going to be good this year. And, sorry, easy, easy. I, don't, I doubt the Steelers are going to be good either, okay? So, and I hope the Patriots are good, but hope is another message. We'll get to that another, another day. Um, I doubt this, this uh, message, this sermon will end on time. And for that, I apologize. I'm, I'm sorry, I just doubt um, I doubt that Nicole turned out to be a good person. No, <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sure she's fine. I'm sure she has lots of friends. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. But let me ask you a real question, right? And it's hard asking this question from the stage and you sitting there. Maybe it's a little safer. But if we were having just coffee, right, and just sitting the two of us, and I asked you in the quietness of your own space, have you ever doubted the resurrection? Right? Like, have you ever gone, man, did Jesus really walk out of that tomb? Is that real? Like, that's, a, that's a big one. That's a big doubt. Maybe after a time of prayer, as you are still wiping the tears from your cheeks because the pain is so great, you've doubted whether God really heard your prayer. I know I have. Or maybe you've doubted whether God really forgives everything. I know I have. And those are big doubts. And here's what I would say to you. Here's what gives me comfort, right? Because I've wrestled with those doubts and I want to go here, right? I don't want some, I don't want to just feel warm and fuzzy. I want to go here and I want to go, God, how do you deal with doubts? Jesus, show me how you dealt with doubts. And so we go to a story. Um, in Scripture, we have the story of a disciple who's notoriously known as, as someone who doubts, right? His, his name is Doubting. Right, everybody knows that. Guy for sure got a bum rap. I, I'm convinced of this. I think there will be a long line to apologize to him when we get to heaven, right? Because we threw him under the bus all the time. But that story is a real story, right? After the resurrection, which, sorry, spoiler alert, I know next week is Easter and when, the resurrection happens, right? Jesus shows up to the, with the disciples. Everyone is in the room except Thomas. And the next time the disciples are all together, they're talking about it, and Thomas notoriously says, I don't know if I believe that. And not until I touch his hand where the nail was and put my finger in his side will I believe, right? He says that. And so then all of a sudden, Jesus appears, right? Doors locked, windows are closed. Jesus, like, kind of just walks through the room or whatever. Like, that's just, 
Like, I'm just like, dude, can we spend some time talking about Jesus just showing up in the room? Like, we kind of just gloss right over that. But I, don't, I wish, wish I could see that. I wish I could have experienced that. All of a sudden, Jesus is in the room. And I just imagine the tension, right? Because everybody knows what Thomas said. And what does Jesus do? Well, the story goes that Jesus walked over to him and simply stuck out his hand and said, go ahead. Go ahead, Thomas, I, I want you to. Do you, need, do you need to stick your finger in the side where the soldier stabbed me with the spear to see if I was dead? Because I'll let you do that too. And he says, don't doubt. I want you to believe. And it's this amazing, beautiful picture, right, that when we doubt, Jesus doesn't kick us off the team. He doesn't say, I can't use you anymore. You're not worthy deals with the doubt. That's a story many of us know. But there's one that I like better. At the end of the book of Matthew, after everything has happened, Matthew chapter 8, it says this, then the 11 disciples, because again, Judas is no longer there, the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to a mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And I ask you today, how in the world is that possible? These men for three years lived and breathed with Jesus, right? They witnessed miracles firsthand. They watched Jesus spit on mud and put it on a guy's face and him see. They watched him tell a, a guy who never walked to get up and carry his mat. They watched him. They were even a part of, of him feeding 5,000 people with a little boy's lunch. They watched Jesus walk on water, and they saw Peter get out of the boat and walk on water with him. Those are all amazing miracles, but they all have been in the room where Jesus has shown up. They watched him stick out his hand to Thomas and say, go ahead, touch it. And yet in this moment, some doubted. And Jesus does not say, guys, listen, it's been a good run, but you're off the team. I can't have this. How many times do I have to prove myself? This is the final straw. In fact, this is what he says. All authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. The Great Commission, the thing that will change the world, he entrusted to a bunch of people, some of which doubted. So I find hope because Jesus is not afraid of my doubts. Let me go through this next one really quickly. Jesus offers powers to overcome the struggle, right? Jesus offers power to overcome my struggles. And, and I, I'm sure, like me, you have struggles, right? Some of them are big and some of them are small. Uh, right now, a personal struggle is I just don't know if I have enough room in my closet for my T-shirts, right? It's a, it's a, it's a real struggle. But see, here's the big problem is my wife makes me throw away two every time I get a new one. So that's... Really, I mean, I'm going through it, right? And so, I know, I'm sorry, I'm a mess, right? I'm, I've, thank you for being gracious and loving me anyway. But I, I understand, but, but that's, a, that's a small struggle, right? I have, I have real ones. I, I mean, I struggle with selfishness. I wish I didn't, but I, I do. I, I, I struggle with insecurity. 
I struggle with rejection. But because of Jesus, I don't have to be defined by those struggles. And there are people in this room today who are struggling with things that you have every right to be struggling with. You're struggling with, with, as you're a parent or a grandparent, and, and you love your kids, and they're just not following Jesus right now, and that's just killing you. And that struggle is so real. There are, are people in this room who are desperately trying to put marriages back together or trying to overcome health issues or overcome by temptations that you just can't seem to get victory of. Let me give you some hope this morning. In Second Peter, we read these words, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God's power isn't just available, it's sufficient. So all that being said, let me end with this. Because of those things, because he identifies with my weaknesses, he's bigger than my doubts, he's got power to overcome the struggles, I would offer this to you and I would say Jesus is worth celebrating and he's worth following. You see, the problem with that Palm Sunday was they didn't know who Jesus was. We live on this side of the cross. We live on this side of the empty tomb. And we know who Jesus is. And because of who I believe that Jesus is, I choose to celebrate him and to follow him. And I would encourage you to do the same. I would, I would ask you... Um, I, I, I would just say this. Let, let's just throw up the next steps and let's just talk about this real quick. Right? So let's, give it, let's put it, make it practical as possible. Would you come back next week and celebrate Easter? Right? Would, you, would you kind of say, I, I believe that Jesus is who he says he is. I, I no longer ask that question. I believe Jesus. And so I want to come back next week and I want to celebrate the risen king together with my church. And I, I would say, let's, let's do that. And I can't wait for next week to celebrate together. Um, one of the other things that when, when you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, when, when you believe that, that he, he, he's taking care of our struggles and he's bigger than our doubts and he identifies with our weaknesses, we kind of just can't help but tell other people, right? And so I would encourage you to tell other people about Jesus. Maybe that's inviting them to church. Maybe it's, it's doing some other things or having a hard conversation with someone who doesn't believe in Jesus. But one of the other things that we do as a church is every summer we get to send um, a bunch of students to all kinds of different places uh, on mission trips. Uh, this year we'll be in Pottstown with our middle school. We're going to be in South Carolina and Costa Rica and Honduras. And it's an amazing privilege and opportunity that we have to do that. And the reason we get to do that is because you believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And you support it and you get behind it. And I would encourage you today, if you've not looked at the donations, to check them out. Kind of start thinking about things you want to bid on. I, I would encourage you to say, hey, can I, can I donate something? Can I be part of this? Can I come help? Because our students get to do what Jesus asked us to do by going to different places and telling them about him. The two other things, real quick, I, I would just encourage you to, to, to just kind of begin each day, just kind of going, how is, how is my life? How am I overcoming the problem of Palm Sunday and, and living and celebrating Jesus for real and in a genuine way? How, how does that look in your life. And the last thing is to just look up Isaiah chapter 25, verse 1, and, and just kind of read that a couple times this week. Maybe even memorize it. 
Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Would you stand with me? I want to pray for you. I want to pray for your week. Um, but I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. We're going to, we're going to close with one, one last song. I'm going to ask you that if today um, that you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, would you celebrate this morning? Can we leave this service uh, celebrating Jesus together? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for our time together. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for Jesus who stepped out of eternity and lived a real life and died a real death for everyone in this room. God, we ask that as we celebrate now that you would hear our our voices, but that you would hear our hearts. We ask that you would hear us now as we sing.